Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. What's up, everyone? It is 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon, which means you're tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News. Today, we are joined by Patrick McManamum from Canisher. We're going to get into cannabis industry insurance, but first, we do have to get into the news summary. So, Tom and Miggy, what happened in weed this week? Hey, oh, uh, High Times is back in print. Not oh, happy in weed this week. So, uh, yeah, I've gotten a couple episodes of the High Times magazine, and it looks like it's a wonderful rebranding uh, of the magazine and they do also explain their new dispensaries oh well and i believe i saw a post they're doing delivery too now they're, they're logging up for that in california oh delivery that's an interesting type of license and thanks so much for joining us on the new channels that's one of the things we're yeah. still under penalty under uh youtube but not on the podcast networks that are out there and i was talking to somebody in the in the space uh today regarding how you do have to kind of make these redundancies because what will happen is as you are talking about changing the laws, some people don't want you talking about changing the laws. But it really, I think it has to do with the election. So maybe hopefully if we just lay low until after the election. Then they'll allow our channel to uh, publish more. Maybe we'll even win our uh, strike appeal. That would be awesome. I don't know. I just think it's there's still that, that, that tinge of reefer madness. Uh, did you hear the uh, uh, Montana district attorney, what they said? Or no. United States attorney? No, out of Montana. Uh, this, 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 this freaking genius. Um, let me see if I can share it. Um, I can't share. Can I, can you, Lauren, can you share me? <laughs> so they put out this statement here and you know what, why do they put statements out on the official, like department of justice page? I mean, who actually goes here and checks this shit, but right. this guy is just spewing reefer madness about the upcoming, uh, uh, the United uh, States district, the uh, U S attorney's office of the district of Montana. So yeah, this is uh that's hilarious. No yeah. people don't vote for it. Yeah, legalization will increase as seen in Colorado and or I mean he's talking about uh, use. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, oh, go ahead. Well, no, just like the whole I think thing. Like that is news, there's like the other news, like Jim Cramer's reporting that uh, a blue win, aka a Democrat win this uh, election season might be great for the marijuana industry. Like great oh, for God. the marijuana industry. Because like right now, like maybe that diff different administration, different department of justice. Well, you know, it's kind of a 
win, lose, lose, win, whoever wins, right? Because Republicans win and business will be okay. If Democrats win, then at least maybe. Yeah, because the 90s sucked, right? You know, like when Clinton was manning the ship, they was just terrible. It was just, you know, that's that. I don't think so. And so uh, hopefully it, it turns out to be uh, a blue win because that would open up stuff. And then Marijuana Moment was reporting something as well this week. Of course, Marijuana Moment reports not just this week, but they, they report on a daily basis. And so they're starting to tell Texas that it would be billions of dollars of revenue if marijuana was legal in Texas. Yeah, it, it would create twenty to 40,000 jobs, $2.7 billion in sales. Both hemp and, and, and cannabis, though. Can you imagine? That, 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 that income would be amazing. Did, uh, did you see in New Zealand how we, how we were hoping for them? No. Has the, the vote come down? So they're done voting. Uh, their prime minister won because she's amazing. But uh, okay. reading this, this headline from Cannabis Health Insider, they're saying the results won't come out until November 6th really? for the cannabis issue. Uh, I guess it's part of the process. You know, well, so. how long do you think it's going to be before our election's called? I, I'll guarantee you it's not going to be election night because of well, how many mail-in ballots there are. Yeah, I mean, what what they say already thirty million, something ridiculous. Yeah, something yeah. ridiculous. But you know, there just... is some good news out of the state of California. State of California Ooh. is now open for uh, license windows, and so license windows are going on now, and they'll be going on this fall in California. Uh, hopefully, we can help somebody in Fresno. Fresno's out there. Uh, Fairfield, I'm not sure Ooh. if anybody's from Fairfield. Stanton, Novato, El Centro, Concord, Union City. We already said Fresno, Chico, Corona, Fullerton, Sacramento, San Bernardino. Yep, there's going to be some some that's license like, opportunity in California, man. That's like central, too. It seems like they're doing a lot of central. Uh, well, you have to remember the central part of California didn't, when they, they legalized it, you know, they didn't really legalize it. They allowed the communities to legalize it at their leisure, kind of. Well, I mean, it's legal, but the business wasn't welcome in that particular area of the state. Yeah. And then as time goes by and tax money is tax money and coronavirus is coronavirus, then it made a lot more sense for them to start these new uh, licensing windows. And some of them, they aren't necessarily cultivation. They'll be like dispensing, you know, like, all right, we'll we'll take that tax revenue right here. Plug that in. So, I mean, like, seriously, like, do you think that people aren't buying weed in Fresno? Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, Come on. Happening. I mean, I used to live in nope. uh, there, so yeah, it, it, everybody smoking weed. But uh, I guess this so, Did though, you ever buy any weed in Fresno? Yeah. No, no. Well, Fresno is only an hour away from about an hour and a half from uh, Lemoore, where uh, I did some school for the Navy. And then, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, I'm just like, there's a lot of weed out there. It's just, but it's a lot of uh, Republican type, uh, conservative type people, too, you know, because military base and all that stuff. But. Ah, right. I know where all the military bases are. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom, well, uh, point out Fort Bragg on a map. Oh, shit. Um, Texas? Yeah. I, I can point to a couple, but yeah, but that's only because I've been there. Uh, well, I, I didn't serve. Like, I'm not a veteran, and so like, I have no idea where any military bases really are. I know that West Point is in New York. There we yeah. go. And I have a cousin that was at the Air Force Academy. That's somewhere in Colorado. Right on. You don't right have on. a need. I couldn't tell you where any sort of banking stuff is at. Sure. So what other uh, news did you have going on in your uh, neck of the woods? Because we had some crap that happened in Illinois, and then I'm going to be doing a webinar on one of them uh, because the uh, state got sued again. 
this time by the craft growers. And then what they did was they kind of said like, oh, you want those things? Well, here, you can have them. And we're not done grading the application. Oh, my God. So, um, That's yeah, crazy, or the, expect more 10-day notices in the craft growers. And then, of course, like, uh, and the, and the uh, I'll prepare the materials for the webinar. So tune in. You probably got that via email today if you were tuning into the show. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about all the six pieces of litigation that are there and also maybe some legislative amendments that might be coming to the CRTA next session. Oh, did you see? Uh, uh, so apparently uh, some uh, activists in Mississippi, uh, they're trying, you know, politics. They're trying to get uh, people on board. And uh, there's a Trump campaign telling them to stop with the cease and desist using his name, which I find ironic because he uses everybody's music. And doesn't care. Well, again, so, they're like, Trump will sign it, uh, says everybody that I've ever talked to that thinks Trump is pro-weed. And then they're like, all right, but then have you seen what everybody in his administration is doing? It doesn't sound like it's really pro-weed at all. And yeah. so um, I'm kind of glad that the polls are hopefully right this year and then he'll be gone because that would be awesome for, you know, we wouldn't be in YouTube jail as much. Can oh, you imagine if we weren't in YouTube jail? Oh, my gosh. Imagine if we could travel. But, you know, uh, yes. Oh my goodness. You know, like, uh, because I'm, I'm lawful here, you know, and then you're law, of course I'm on the enterprise, but still I'm lawful. And then you're lawful on the, on that lakefront uh, property. But if yeah. we try to get to Idaho or Iowa, Ooh, they don't like and my you, kind around there. You know, who has a lot of issues with that are people who travel interstate with commerce, like hemp and stuff, you know, and then they, hemp they interstate they, commerce can be quite tricky. Yeah. And do you think they have insurance when they do that? I would hope. Now, that's one of the things that's really difficult about operating in the cannabis industry is because, like, aren't all the contracts illegal? Kind of, mm. at least at the federal level. So how does that like if you have insurance, can you make a claim and get it paid? Or are they going to be like, nope, sorry. It's legal. Yeah. Well, that's so curious. And then, like, for the hemp thing, what if you test hot? Like, how is that covered? Is It doesn't get covered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then some states like, you know, the ones begin with I, Idaho, Iowa, Indiana, like they have very, very stringent uh, policies that try to get into compliance, the Republican compliance with the USDA, where it's just like, oh, you're over the line. Burn it and arrest that Wait, man. You know, you forgot I, Texas. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, they stopped already millions of stuff going through because oh, Ohio's yeah. right there or Oklahoma. I think I know somebody who might be able to answer some questions about cannabis insurance. Hey, Patrick, what's going on? Hi, guys. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Canisher? Sure. So Canisher uh, started about 10 years ago. Um, we started uh, because a friend of mine opened up a medical marijuana dispensary in San Diego, and he called me and needed general liability insurance for his dispensary to satisfy his landlord. So uh, from there, basically became the idea of, you know, servicing these businesses. Um, I called every insurance company that I could to see if they would pro provide insurance. And I got hung up on and laughed at and everything that you'd imagine. I probably made about 100 calls. And, you know, after I realized that, I said, well, I think I'm on to something here because the actual risk associated with this is no different than any other mainstream American business, whether it be a dispenser, whether it be a pharmacy, a jewelry store, a drugstore, whatever it was. Um, and the reasons that they were giving me for no were just perceived reputational risk. So um, we spent the next 10 years building a business that we provide general liability, product liability, property coverage to, to the plant touching businesses of the, of the industry. So product wow. liability? Mm -hmm. Product liability, like in case yeah. your weed explodes. Well, yeah, your vape pen. 
uh, per se. Right. Uh, you know, people have, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of edible products that are being made. People have a lot of different food allergies. Uh, sometimes the labels are sometimes the products, especially early on, were not properly labeled and they could have had an allergen or some other type of chemical in there that could have caused an adverse reaction for someone. So those are some of the things, you know, we've seen a lot of mislabeling stuff usually um, not rest, not necessarily around potency, but more around the actual ingredients inside that product. Right on. Oh, fascinating. So it does sound, though, like you're breaking some federal crimes. That's what we do here <laughs> sometimes. I'm begrudgingly, only because Congress hasn't fixed this issue yet. So how do you deal with your interstate uh, commerce then if you're trying to insure uh, an operator in California or in Colorado? Sure. So insurance is, um, is, is actually regulated on a state basis, not on the federal level. So uh, each individual state has its own insurance department that sets its own rules and regulations. There's obviously a common association amongst them, but for the vast majority of them, uh, they, they set their own rules and regulations. So from our standpoint, you know, if it's legal in the state, it's legal what, uh, what we're doing. Um, we, our, our customers cannot transport product, <coughs> excuse me, was related to THC product from California, obviously, anyplace else because that's federally legal. But, you right. know, I heard you guys make a comment before, you know, if we had a policy, is it even going to cover you? And so uh, I would tell you in the early days, you know, there were a lot of companies that had uh, very specific, if you're in violation of federal law, that's it, right? It was on page 73 of the policy and, and nobody looked at it because nobody wow. knew the policy. So we did and we didn't sell them. So when you read our policy, there is no reference to the word federal law. What it regard, what it, what it relates to is a state state or county rules and regulations. So you have to be in compliance with your state count and, and county rules and regulations. As long as you're in compliance with those, we pay the claims. And you should, because like, again, with a state regulation there, plus in many of all the statutes that I've read legalizing it, uh, they always have that thing where they'd say, all contracts shall be binding. You know, because they they thought somebody would try to get out of a contract going like, sorry, bro, supremacy clause. It's illegal <laughs> at the federal level. It's like, hey, you're you're licensed by the state. It took place in the state. I paid you. You're you're a state licensed insurance company. The loss right. occurred in uh, not in Phoenix, Arizona. The loss occurred in, you know, Peoria, Illinois. And and so and then if you were going to sue. Uh, on like the denial of the claim. And they're like, well, we'll sue you to enforce it. Uh, that would happen where it was located. So like all of that makes sense for them to actually be able to uh, pay their claim. I just was wondering if there were uh, perhaps like fly-by-night internet uh, insurance agents that are purporting to sell uh, cannabis insurance. You know, I I'm sure there are. I mean, as in any industry, in any new growing business, people are always going to try and take advantage of it. Um, I would tell you that, you know, if you would have talked to me, you know, like I said, this might going to be my 10th year uh, in this space. You would ask me in uh, between 2010 and 2014, I probably could have listed off about five or six people. I wouldn't, you know, if you shook their hand, I count my fingers afterwards, <laughs> but you don't see that many of them. You don't really see it more. You see a lot more professionalization has happened, um, especially in the insurance agents. And they also understand, you know, these businesses are in their community. So right. these are local business owners inside their community. And if you're going to screw them, then, you know, you're not going to, your name's not going to go very far. You're not going to last very long. So, you know, we work with about 600 independent insurance agents across the country. Um, all of them have varying levels. Some do one piece of business and some, this is all they do. You know, it just, it just depends on who they are and where they're at. Yep. And you just hit, you hit one of the big bingo buttons of the cannabis uh, industry. It is very local. You have to remember that like this stuff isn't exported from France. 
No. You know, it, it's not the, the wine industry. It's this stuff is being grown locally. This stuff is being sold locally. The people that get the license are usually involved in the community, tied to the community. And because then they have enough trust, they aren't going to do that and start acting uh, like yeah. they're a profiteer or, or a bad actor in the uh, in the space, which, again, you know, it's the Wild West. It is can be the Wild West in certain states. That's for sure. Do you guys also uh, cover hemp or is it just cannabis you're doing right now? So we do hemp. We don't have as much hemp as some of the others. Um, you know, th- that's that's drawn a lot of interest from a lot of different companies, uh, insurance companies, because the federal legality has been removed or the perception that has, that has been removed. And there's all kinds of things you can do. Right. Yeah. So there's been a lot more activity and interest on the hemp side. Um, you know, we, we've tended to focus on the more difficult place things to place, such as the cannabis industry, the THC specifically, because, Number one, it's growing so much. I want to stay focused on what we do well. And uh, we do have quite a few large hemp processors. You know, we're not insuring small farmers, but we have large processors and things like that that kind of fit more of our model. How do you ensure that? Like, what if they tested hot? I mean, now you have yeah. five, five acres of whatever that was supposed to be worth. You know, are you giving the market value? How are you looking at that situation? So that type of coverage, we don't, that, that would be like, um, you, you know, crop coverage. You hear the word crop coverage thrown around a lot in the marijuana industry and it's not crop coverage. It's not, when you think of the farmers in Iowa that get, you know, coverage for Nebraska for corn or whatever it may be, that's not available in the marijuana industry. It will eventually and soon be available in the hemp industry, right? But the FDA, the USDA haven't come out with the rules. They haven't put the insurance program in place. So there isn't there now on this to speak specifically about hot hemp, you know, I don't think the government's going to provide a backing for that. That's going to be a private insurance product that may come around. And I would tell you that you, you would probably, it's going to take a while to get there, right? Because there's no information. There's no data. As we all know, everybody grows their product differently, right? And they are. Oh no, there's data. Like the genetics of the genetics. If we're talking about CBD hemp genetics, yeah, but, saying, but how yeah. people how people actually grow, right? Well, what they're doing and how they're doing it, right? They all have their own way, their own method, their own thought. Yeah. Their way is the best, right? So for us to write insurance policies on that, you have to have some level of standardization. And rightfully so, growers don't want us to tell them what to do and how they should do it, right? I don't know how to grow marijuana. I don't know at all. So to provide that type of coverage, you need to have a deeper level of understanding. And I think that we're just not there yet. I think there will be there. Um, you know, we do have some parametric policies, which would cover you if you're growing plants out outdoors, specifically for hemp or or uh, marijuana. You could get um, wind and hail coverage, drought coverage and things like that. And those are based on parametric scales. That's a newer product that's you know really starting out right now. You know, we'll see how that goes and what the adoption rate of that is. Um, what about fire? Just speaking fire, of yeah, fire, yeah. any type of name peril, right? Fire, wind, windstorm, hail, flood, earthquake, all of those types of things you can buy parametric cover for. So do you so, think clays are going to be happening this harvest because of the, the wildfires that were out there? Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I, I know that the, the parametric coverage is a brand new one. I mean, I'm talking like a couple months. Oh, so wow. it's probably not been had any adoption rate at all um, out in that, out, especially out in California and the, in the areas that they're getting crushed with the wildfires. Mm-hmm. Um, the vast majority of the crops that are probably already out there, they're not insured to begin with, right? So once they bring them indoors, they could be it could be into a drying room or whatever else. That's a different cover. That's th- that they are starting to be covered there. You could have issues, you know, the smoke damage and things like that. But if it's sitting out in the field, chances are they probably either weren't able to buy coverage because it wasn't available, or if they did, they chose not to because it was too expensive. Hmm. 
So when you say uh, paramet- is parametric coverage? Yes. So it's kind of like you're anticipating little scenarios for each thing, right? Uh, for brick and mortar, like everything's cash only. Uh, do you offer any, uh, uh, like if someone gets robbed mm-hmm. or anything like that? Uh, that's yeah, we do. So, property like product and property and transit, cash and money and securities and transit, right? So, uh, dispensary has um, a couple hundred thousand dollars of inventory on their shelves. Uh, they get robbed. Uh, they have cash in hand as well. There could be sublimits attached to it. You know, you could maybe have fifty thousand dollars in cash coverage or a hundred or whatever it may be, whatever you chose to buy. But that's available. And then in terms of of transportation, right? From the cultivation facility to different dispensaries, there's also um, coverage there as well. And then now you have the delivery services, obviously from the business to the consumer, obviously much smaller values and amounts. Um, it is available to you. It just depends on what type of controls you have as a business. You know, a single guy that's doing deliveries out of something that's basically keeping a couple pounds in his trunk and parks his car in his driveway every night is probably not gonna get a, pol- a secure insurance policy to protect his inventory, but he can get auto insurance to provide you know coverage there. Yeah, that's fascinating that that is a license type in a jurisdiction, isn't that isn't that something? You could be a weed delivery man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Takes so, lots of jobs out there for people, man. Yeah, it's it's twenty twenty one almost. Right. So, uh, what aspects of the cannabis industry do you think pose the biggest risks to insurance, or or that require the insurance? Well, you know, what we're seeing now is obviously the the facilities are getting very, very big, right? Limited license states, large facilities. You know, a couple of years ago, I would every once in a while, we'd see some building that was worth 25 or 30 million bucks. We're seeing every couple of weeks, every actually I should say every week, we're seeing buildings that are north of 50. We have a couple in the door right now that we're working on that are $150 million in in value uh, at that cultivation facility. So you have a loss there, right? I mean, that's that's a massive, massive loss. Um, and so we have that. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of product liability potential out there, right? There's still new products are being developed at all, all the time. Um, new new people are coming into the marketplace that might not have the best experience um, in terms of what they're creating, whether it be an edible product, a oil, a tincture or whatever. And they might not just be as experienced as one would hope. And there's an opportunity there for a lot of contaminants potentially to get into products and then make their way into the stream of commerce, which would be a big issue. Um, so, you know, those are the things that we see. The most common claim and the most common thing we see is theft, obviously, at dispensaries, right? It's yeah. high value. It's yeah. the front door of the industry. Everybody knows that it's in cash because that's all everybody talks about all the time. And they well, know they it's, it's, the, it's the federal crap. You know, it's like, right. I'm sorry you can't walk in and just, I mean, like, you don't go to Chanel or something and be like, 100, right. 200, 300. No. Um, and so, yeah, but then you're buying a product that's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Right it's just so ridiculous. And so we really are hopeful that the, the administrative makes this tip a change, at least get the safe banking acts passed in 2021. That would be epic. I mean, if uh, the, if it's a blue Congress and Biden will sign it, man, that would be cool. I mean, that would really open up the industry, but then as the money gets more and more into this industry and you're talking about big weed, I mean, you're not talking about mom and pop weed. You were just talking about like corporate monolithic weed, that type mm-hmm. of facility. Right. And so they don't want to be taxed. No, you know, no. who who wants to be taxed, right? I don't want to seriously be taxed. So, <laughs> like, you know, you talk about I, bank, I mean, build this billion dollar em- enterprise to give you half of it, Uncle Sam. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but, you're talking about banking. I've lost my bank uh, six times. Oh, too man. many Christmas. And then, Not what do so, they call you? Are you MRB? What tier? 
it, it don't even know because it, oh. you know, um, it, it was shocking to us because we, we, our customer is an insurance agent. And then obviously the insurance agent's customer is the business owner. So we've, in my existence, we've never received cash one time in our existence um, for many of our clients. And so to get our bank account kicked out, uh, was shocking. And not only did they kick out our corporate, this was the same bank that my grandfather had opened up his first company business in 1947 after 1946, after he came back from world war two. And so my dad had his business in there and they kicked my father out. Cause I was a signer. Wow. They kicked me out. They kicked everybody out. And you know, then I'm scrambling to go find payroll because payroll was due in three weeks and I have a name of Canisher and you know, and you're he, like, why didn't I call yeah. it? Nothing going on here. Solutions. Damn it. So I had to go, you know, we had to go change. We had to go spend a couple thousand bucks, tens of thousands of dollars, go out and create a new holding company in a very short period of time, which Uh, would allow us to go and secure a banking, which meant we also had to change all of our contracts, all of our licenses that we have for every single state. So, you know, we, we spend on average, we double pay for our insurance licenses. So that cost to us every year is somewhere around an additional 20 to $30,000 a year that we have. Yeah. Um, just in licensing for no reason other than the fact that we couldn't get, get a bank account. And that's, those are, those are just straight costs. Is that something you would cover too, though, to help protect, say, a dispensary owner who gets shut, cut off from all his money? No, that's not something. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I mean, look, you, you know, you, you can create an insurance product for anything, but the vast majority of insurance products that are out there, right, are not going to be after that. You think of like a standard commercial insurance policy for a, a widget, name the widget manufacturer, right? The vast majority of marijuana policies uh, that are kind of processors are going to mirror a lot of what they have. There's going to be variances that come into certain exclusions because of the industry that they're in or the type of equipment that they may be using or the chemicals they're using. But that's no different than a, you know, a, a guy that handles pool stuff. His policy is going to be different than a guy that that washes dogs. Right. There's going to be some differences there. But the main body language, you know. Tom, you're a lawyer. We used ISO, the insurance service office, is what we based our insurance policy off of, right? We didn't try and create a brand new form and start with a blank piece of paper. We used ISO's form that's generally accepted and used. And then you 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 put in, you know, you push and pull a few things there to get everybody on board. Do this all the time. It's you you have a contract or or an application for a cannabis license. And then you make it custom and specific to suit your needs. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, and the other thing you brought up is in what I one thing I would like to tell everybody is the application becomes part of your insurance contract in our world. And so when you apply on there and you put information on there, when you do have a claim, the very first thing that the adjuster is going to pull out is the application. And if it varies or differs from what you're now saying or what we actually see now, that's when you have a problem. So, you know, we see all too often people. Uh, the high level people push this task of completing the application down to somebody else. And that person just doesn't know and answers a question and it creates a problem somewhere downstream because they don't realize it's part of your actual insurance contract. So like in the sense of like the edibles you're talking, say someone decided to put in gluten, I don't know, and then but put gluten free on the thing. That'd be something that like, if it was a recall, would you help yep. cover that or? Yeah. I mean, that would be something. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's an actual claim against it, absolutely. Sure. You know, you also have to allege, you know, bodily injury from someone, right? Because if you remember back a couple of years ago uh, in Colorado, um, somebody uh, was going after one of the big, uh, one of the brands out there because they said they used Eagle 20 in their product and they shouldn't have paid X amount of dollars for Eagle because the product had Eagle 20 in it. 
Um, and so they never alleged any bodily injury. They just wanted, they didn't want to pay 20 bucks. They wanted to pay 10. And so they, you know, whatever the number was, they wound up coming through with it. But that was, you know, if there was an actual injury associated with it because the Eagle 20 did cause some damage to them, that would have been a covered claim. But there was there. There's some cheap mugs out there. Yeah, there? well, exactly. Hey, I would only pay 10 if I had known that. I, uh, I don't know how you come up with the dollar amount because it was Eagle 20. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know yeah. either. Sometimes damage calculations, I'm just like, you you don't understand how lawsuits work. Yeah. yeah. But you I, I was going to get back to the concept that you mentioned, and I want to stress this just again. Everything that you put in your application is very often a condition of your license. And so if you are having an insurance coverage, that insurance is going to need that you are in compliance with the law if you actually have like some type of loss. So they're going to look at your application to make sure that they can actually cover it. Because then if you were doing something that wasn't on your, your, your application, it's not a part of your license, which uh, would mean that it's an illegal contract. So absolutely. And a lot of in some of the states require that you name the state plus the regulatory body as an additional insured on your policy. You have to produce the certificate to the state on an annual basis. Do you see that a lot? People filling in application for one thing, then start posing and doing things another way. And then Um, we've definitely seen some things, you know, we we understand because these businesses are growing. Right. And you have a lot of eagle, eager entrepreneurs who have a great business plan. They're very eager about things. They they're passionate about it and they step they step into it and they all of a sudden realize what their grand edible product or whatever it was is not going to work. And so they got to pivot somewhere. Right. And they undoubtedly forget to tell us or whatever it is. And that's okay because those things are as long as it's still within that confined territory. Right. You didn't go from being a edible manufacturer to all of a sudden to a dispensary, like, right? It was, you're, you're still an edible manufacturer. You're just making a different type of product or you've changed over. We're just going to do oil now. We're just going to process oil. We're not going to make any more edible stuff like that. So those things, we see a lot of changes and we understand that because people, they have to pivot quickly in this industry because the world's changing, changing on them. So we do see that. We do see some times where people put some values in that are absolutely insane when it comes to what they think their the plant is worth, a mother plant telling me a mother plant is worth $80,000 or something. It's like, how do you come up with that calculation? Well, if I have the mother plant of a, every single branch off it for X amount of time would have been this, we'll quit. Yes, but you have two other ones sitting right there. So the loss isn't actually real because we give you something to cover it, but it's not going to be $80,000 because you have something to replace it immediately. Right. There's no, actual, yeah. Because how long does it take to train a mother up? You know, <laughs> uh, Oh, it could take forever. You have to do all the, you know, no, okay. Okay. But that mother right there, do you yeah, have yeah. those genetics? You know, yeah. if you lost her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, there's nuances, right. And people are learning and things happen. And so, you know, miscommunication, misunderstandings happen. We've, we've luckily knocked on wood, you know, we've had our claims have related, uh, basically revolved around theft at dispensaries. We had a lot of stuff related to the riot and looting earlier this summer. We had quite a few in major metropolitan areas. Luckily, because of the way the dispensaries are built, they barely got inside any of them. They got inside one or two. You know, um, they caused some serious damage in one that they were sitting inside for six hours, chipping away at, you know, vaults and everything else. And we got to pay it. It is what it is. Uh, but the other ones that we're going to see are mostly around fires and grows. Um, the lights falling, not being properly installed, not having the proper, you know, um, uh, 
uh, ties, if you will, it's on there. They fall and they explode. I've seen some videos where it's just you just sit there and you just watch it. Just whole room go up in smoke and then the room come. And you look at the next room and you can see the, the smoke coming through the vents and you just you, just you see a fire point. hazard like because like if you've been in the industry for this long, you've probably seen a, a substantial changeover from HPS and quite hot, you know, lights, which yep. maybe and they, they pull a lot of power when they switch on. So like I could see one of those sparking and going up way more than like an LED. Have you seen yeah. a decline in the uh, fire risk as LED technology has come onto the scene? We definitely have, and we definitely underwrite to that. So if you're using LED lights, your 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 rating is going to be significantly cheaper than if you're not if you're using the the uh, the high density lights. Just because, for you said, I mean, all of our I love the the, the some of the uh, growers are like, ah, oh, the HPS just I don't know what it is about them photons. It just does it better, and then yeah. uh, you know, and look as I said before, that's fine, right? That, that's totally fine. We have no problem with that because we can't say no because that's what the industry is, and so we have to adapt. We just have done an underwriting thing, you know, where let's say it costs you a thousand bucks, and I'm just using numbers. If you were using um, uh, the, the, the high powered lights, you know, maybe we charge you a thousand. If you're using the led lights, it could be seven fifty. you know, it's mm. so it's not like it's a thousand to a hundred. So right. it's just, it costs doing business. And, you know, for most people, they'd, they'd rather have the production out of the, the high, high density lights than the other ones. Do you negotiate? Like, is one able to negotiate their, their insurance plan with you? Like, Hey, uh, what kind of deal can I get using these kind of lights? Uh, you know, this kind of pesticide, is there something like that involved? Or is it mostly, Somebody already in the business saying, this is what I got. This is what I do. What can you do for me? Um, yeah. I mean, negotiation. Sure. Everything's negotiable, right? You go negotiate everything. But there are there is reality. We have underwriting rules and we have parameters. So we have, you know, um, credits and debits that can be given uh, that obviously work for in people's favor. So if you have a more experience, you can you can get those. You're using the LED lights. There's again, those are additional credits and debits. Um, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily negotiate about price. They negotiate on coverages and exclusions and removing some of them. Mm. Um, I would find and tell people that sometimes you can have some more success that way than just trying to fight about price. Because at the end of the day, I always laugh is people are willing to go spend $10,000 on a Bob Marley poster to put in their dispensary, but they're not worth not willing to spend $5,000 to insure their dispensary. Like, Dreams. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, like, what do we <laughs> it's do? It's the dreams. It's like, oh, it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to have yeah. this. Yeah. Is it insured? Oh, I see it all the time where it's just like, hey, uh, you, it's five grand. Okay, I only want to pay you 4,500. Yeah, but that picture over there that you bought is $10,000. So I'm going to card you a couple hundred extra bucks to make sure that if somebody comes in and throws their elbow through it or breaks it and you ask me to pay you 10 grand for it, I will pay you for it. But you got to pay me an extra 500 bucks. And they balk at it every time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right, man. I got, I got one more for you. Yep, it uh, gets back to the federal laws, and they haven't done these in a while. But we you know they they were doing them nine years ago, and Lance Glore is still in prison. Uh, what about federal raids? Can I have an in federal raid rider on my policy? So there was for a period of time there was a federal raid rider. I would not sell it. Um, it also the companies that were selling it got a visit from the Department of Insurance and the Department of Justice. So asking them what it was for, because the government doesn't like you insuring illegal acts. And so if you're brazenly telling them that I'm going to insure you against a federal raid, uh, they're not very interested in that. They were okay with it because at the end of the day, there wasn't a bunch of stuff in it, right? It was a little bit amount and you had to be dismissed from the case and all these kind of things. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, my opinion, it, 
we wake up every single day, every last one of us that's in this industry and you're under threat of constant threat of being arrested. And that's something you accept and you move forward. And it yeah. is what it is. It, it, we, the hemp industry, man. I mean, because like the DEA regs that came out or that's the rule. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you throw that hemp into the extractor, boom, it's a marijuana facility. Right. Are you kidding? You know, uh, and so that's one of the things that I harp on about the administrative change. There could be a new head of DEA by January. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, they're, they're, we definitely need, we've been actively involved for a long time in politics because we have to, right? We have to help affect change. And, and the only way to do that is from the inside out. And so we have to donate to the politicians that we feel and the, and the organizations that are supporting the, the, our businesses and our, and our goals as an industry. Word. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find and follow what you guys got going on at Canisher? Uh, well, Canisher.com. And then uh, I'm sure on LinkedIn, we have a bunch of stuff. But other than that, we're a boring insurance company. So I don't think you're going to find too much fun on Instagram, Twitter, or anywhere else. So LinkedIn, well, come on. Think of like the visuals of the, the contracts, it's like the contract stack with a pen on it. Like, oh, we're going to sign the hell out of that. Yeah, you know, exactly. So many revisions, you know. Exactly. Exactly right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Thanks Patrick. Patrick. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Sunday.